Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair, James Dixon, better known as Jimmy Dixon. I hope everybody has a good time listening to Jim for the next hour or so. Hey, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. This week we have Jimmy Dixon. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm good, Will. Good. It's good to see you. So I, was, well, I saw you not that long ago, I guess, um, but it doesn't seem that long ago, but it was when we met across the border. I guess that was a while ago now. So. Yeah, it was. And I saw you at Westminster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, right. and we're back there again, back at uh, Lynnhurst again. So. Yeah, I love that site. It's a beautiful site. It Everything's is. good there. Have you been to any dog shows or many? Uh, yeah, I was down in Richmond, Virginia this week, um, this past weekend. Uh, you know, a lot of judge changes because of some people had COVID and the weather and all that stuff. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite interesting. I think the show chairman uh, Polly Smith had a hard time <laughs> filling the <laughs> panel. Well, yeah, that's what happens, especially when they were just starting up shows. It seemed like we had the same panel over and over again. But, uh, yeah, it is. It's you see a lot of the same judges over and over again. It's hard with all the shows. There's so many shows these days. Oh, for sure, for sure. We have the same problem up here. We're in the middle of a snowstorm up here. How's it going down there weather-wise? Okay. Uh, well, we had snow um, uh, in Richmond, but it wasn't too bad. We had snow here at home in New Jersey, and uh, we're supposed to get an ice storm uh, tomorrow night, I think. That's probably what we have here going down there. <laughs> yeah, you're getting more snow, though, aren't you? Yeah, well, we had ice. We had, like, I drove today and i had i went through freezing rain and snow so it was fun okay yeah, yeah. i know some of the people in virginia were going to drive to indiana this weekend i hope they make it yeah i'll just i'll just like stay safe and be careful you know right usually it's not us it's usually it's the other people on the road that i worry about so yeah well you just don't want to get stuck in one of those jams where the highway closes down and you're stuck for well, 24 hours or well, something like that, that. what would you do oh yeah that was crazy yeah in virginia right what do you do if you're stuck on the road with those dogs right oh, exactly oh, yeah oh well it's not us jimmy so all right let's no be. it's not me <laughs> tell me how did you get involved in, the, in our sport jim sport of dogs oh well i was in high school and uh the uh there was a estate in town that had a big show kennel. Uh, it was called the Frelinghuysen Estate, uh, and they had a kennel manager that managed the kennels. Mrs. Frelinghuysen had died, and they were kind enough to uh, let the kennel manager stay on the estate, and he ran a small little boarding kennel and showed some some dogs, not too many anymore. Uh, it was back in the days when they had the uh, licensed handlers. Okay. So I got a job. He called up my mother and said he was looking for kennel help, and I rode my bike over there for, oh, almost four or five years. What was his name again? His name was Walter Morris. Okay. He was a poodle. They had poodles. He was best in show at Westminster in the 40s. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. That was a nice place to start then. Yes, right. So, you know, learned a lot about, you know, management and care of dogs and how to take care of them and all that stuff in the kennel. How old were you? That's how I started. How um. I probably started there. I was like 14, 15 years old, you know, and he got me a pointer. First uh, show dog I had, he got me a pointer from Bob Forsythe. Um, he was good friends with Bob. He called him up and I rode up to Forsythe's kennel and picked up the pointer puppy and brought it back down. He trained it. Uh, he was going to go to the show. They had a big pointer specialty at Somerset Hills. And uh, he was supposed to go down there and, and I thought he was going to show the dog for me and he couldn't make it. Something happened. So he sent me down there and I showed it under uh, some pointer experts from England, the Parkinson's. It was okay. Mrs. Parkinson. And uh, was winner's bitch got five points. Oh, geez. That was your first show. That was my first show. Never got a picture. <laughs> they asked me if I wanted a picture and I thought I had to pay for it. I didn't have any money. <laughs> so I never got a picture. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that was it. It's a good way to Came start. Home, Came home, he said, how'd you do? I said, I was winner's bitch. He had to call up Bob Forsythe to find out how many points I got. That's kind of funny. So did that bite you then? Was that the bug? Yeah. I mean, he used to tell me all these stories about all the old handlers and stuff like that. And, you know, it just was really interesting. You know, you listen to all those tales and stuff like that. You kind of get caught. Oh, yeah. He got me. I would help. He got me where I could help Forsythe at local shows. uh 
and drive to them and help them on the weekend at the shows running boxers and Dobermans and stuff like that. They had Mark and Bonnie were working there at the time. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, that's pretty much how I got started with him. Yeah. Then uh, uh, when I, I was up in uh, New York State at uh, Walk Hill, they had shows in the armory up there. And Mark and Bonnie had just gone out on their own. And um, I asked them if they needed any help because Forsyth had retired. And they said, no, Mark said, no, no, I don't need any help. But that guy over there with the poodles brushing dogs, he's looking for help. So I went over there and he introduced me and uh, it was Michael Pawazarat and uh, started working for Michael. Oh, what a great guy. Love Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. so how old were you when you started for Michael then? Hmm. I was probably 18 or 19, maybe. Okay. You know, I was driving, so <laughs> yeah. And Had so to be in the late 70s. So you, so you started at the Poodle Kennel and working in the kennel, and then you ended up with, with Michael at the dog shows. Yeah, I did a lot of poodles in my day, didn't I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how long were you with Michael? Uh, two and a half years or so. Then I left there and uh, I went to uh, a local two-year community college. Uh, while I was there, I was helping uh, Cliff Hallmark. Oh, excellent. And I went, uh, well, actually, it was it probably took a year and I was helping. I would just help people on the weekends. You know, go to the shows when you had time, and I'd help Richard Bauer and Paul Edwards, and oh, wow, <laughs> yeah, you know, just helping on Peter. I'd help Peter on some weekends, uh, you know, doing all that. You know, it was just working, working hard. That's all. That's amazing. Got it. Yeah. Richard and Paul. I when I was growing up, Richard was one of my heroes as well. I used to just love watching Richard show English cockers. So, oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So you, you're you're working with all these different handlers, and then did you pick one? Did you just pick one for a? Who was the last one you worked for? I'm trying to get to that. The last one I worked for was Cliff Hallmark. Okay, how yep. was that? That was interesting. <laughs> it was quite you know if you knew Cliff, you know he was an interesting character. I never met him once. I met him once at a dog show in, in Quebec. Oh, up in Quebec? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Cliffy was a great guy. Loved his horses. He would go to the horse tracks. He'd go to the, you know, he'd talk you into going to the horse tracks. He loved the trotters and the pacers, and he'd go mm -hmm. down to Mammoth and do the flats. Yep, he was a real, he was a great dog man. Mm -hmm. How long were you with Cliff then? Oh, two years maybe. That's good. And cool. decided terriers would be uh, a lot easier than poodles at that time. <laughs> a lot less work. <laughs> You wouldn't say that now, though, would you? Well, I wouldn't say that now, but it's still a lot less work. There's a lot more into poodles even than there was back in those days. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a heavy maintenance. It's labor-intensive. They both are. So They both are labor-intensive. Yeah. yeah, a lot more into terriers, too. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. with the way they trim them and keep them tighter and coats and stuff like that. Yeah. It's so, changed quite a bit, the dog business. Yeah, it really has. So after, after, you, after you left Cliffy... Um, what, did you go on your own then? Yeah, I went on my own. There was a uh, a kennel in the town I grew up in. It was an old sporting dog kennel. The guy used to um, he had uh, out you know guillotine doors and and stuff. And he would have uh, it was outside. Actually, it was right outside of Madison where Mrs. Dodge's show was. Okay. So he would have all these doctors and lawyers come out on the train from New York, and they'd set birds out in the field, and they'd take the setters. He had a lot of setters and. They'd take them out there and they'd take the doctors hunting. And my father, when he was a kid, used to stock birds out in the field for the guy. And uh, guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. He's, wow. he's, the guy's name was um, uh, Conan, Bill Conan. And uh, he, they always had a bush at the end when they'd go around all the fields and they'd come back. And they were always the kids always had to stock a bird right underneath this bush there. So they were guaranteed to get a bird if they didn't find anything <laughs> around the whole thing. Yeah, well, times have changed. Do they still do that around there? No, 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 no. The kennels aren't even there anymore. You know, I had rented the kennels from the guy and uh, rented them for about oh, 25 years I was there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, we bought two kennels. So we were running two kennels for a while. I was showing dogs, raising two kids. It was uh, a lot of work. Mm, my God. You know? yeah. One kennel is yeah. a lot of work. One kennel is a lot of work, right? Running two of them. Yeah. So you were, so we're getting ahead of ourselves. So you went from Cliffy to this sporting dog kennel. 
and no, no, I was at the sporting dog. Yeah, I went to it right. I got the sporting dog kennel. It was really kind of run down. And okay. uh, I, I knew you, the guy. You, you, did you buy it or did you lease you leased it? No, I leased it. Right. Okay. There was a guy in there and he was letting it run down and the uh, owner didn't like it so much. So uh, I went in there and uh, he leased it to me. And uh, we spent a lot of money fixing the place up. But we were there about 20, 25 years. And, and this is right. Uh, ran a really left good left. business. Yeah, after I left Cliff, right? Yeah. So um, expound on that for me because you started showing dogs, and um, I, 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 when I think of Jimmy, I think of Border Terriers. So I want right. to do that. So, well, my big break was really uh, when Cliff passed. Is uh, his big client was Kate Seaman, mm-hmm. and uh, she called me up after he passed, and she wanted me to show her dogs, and uh, that was a great break for me. You know, she would send me to England and look for dogs to buy and we'd bring back dogs and import them. She liked to import border terriers. Um, she wanted, well, Cliffy showed wires and Westies for her as well. She really wanted to try and stick with the border terriers. Um, so we had, you know, half a dozen, maybe 10, we'd breed maybe two, three litters a year for her. Mm-hmm. We'd go over to England and look for brood bitches. She wanted to buy a bitch or she wanted to buy a dog. I could tell you an interesting story. That's what I want to hear, Jim. All right. She sent us over to England. She wanted to buy a bitch. So she sent us over to England. And uh, Alice, my wife, and I went over there. And uh, we get over there. And, we, you know, you go around in England. You go around. You look at these different readers' kennels and, and, and you know, talk to them. And you go to the shows. Uh, we, we saw this guy. And he had a bitch. We had bought a dog from him a couple of years before that. And he had a bitch there, and he says, uh, you know, do you want to buy this bitch? And I said, yeah, I really like her. So we worked it out, and we bought the bitch. And he says, I says, well, that's a nice dog you've got there. And he said, uh, well, I don't like him. You want him? I said, yeah, sure, I'll take him. <laughs> so he says, I'll throw the dog in for what you're paying for the bitch. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> so we threw the two of them on the airplane, and we're coming back. And Alice says to me, she says, you know, Kate didn't want a dog. She only wanted a bitch. I said, well... You know, she might like the dog. We'll have to see, right? So we get home, and we'd always come home with the with the dogs. We bought something over in England. We'd come home and give her a call, and she would uh, uh, say, "Well, bring them on up." You go up to her place at, at uh, Norwalk, South Norwalk, out in Wilson's Point. She had a big place, wow. and we get there, and she looks at the bitch, and she really liked the bitch. And I said, well, "We've got this dog. He threw the dog in for nothing." And she says, "I don't even want to look at him." So you don't want to look at him. She said, no. I said, all right. So I said to Alice, I said, well, Sam Ewing said to me, if I ever saw a border terrier that had a really, really pretty head, he says, I'd be interested in him. So I said, all right. So I called up Sam and I said, Sam, would you be interested in this dog? And I showed him to Sam and said, said, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, I really like him. So I'll take him. So I said, all right. So Sam took him. And the first show we go to where Sam is showing the border terror, he beat our special with this dog. <laughs> so when I came home, I, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones or anything like that. So when I got home, I called Kate Monday morning. I said, well, I said, you'll never guess what happened. She says, what? I said, that border terror you never want to look at won the breed. She said, it did. I said, yeah, it did. So make a long story short, she co-owned that dog with Sam. And uh, we did really well with that dog, you know. <laughs> Sam didn't want to spend any money on the border terriers, so it worked out really well. Wow! She got herself, uh, you know, back to that dog, and yeah, his name was uh, <laughs> what the heck was his? It was Tomahawk. Thoroughly Tomahawk was his name. No, maybe that wasn't. Maybe that was it. Thomas, I guess. Thomas. Right. It was a while ago. Yeah. It's amazing how things have changed. You're talking about Sam. You're talking about Kate. Is, is those those just doesn't happen anymore? Those people, you know? No, no. Well, they were true breeders of dogs. Those two, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just it seems like a bygone era that we I just we all miss. Really, I do. Think about it. And they knew their dogs. I had somebody once at a dog show tell me they said, you know, well, Kate's just a lot of money. Doesn't really know anything about dogs. And they didn't know. She showed those dogs when she was younger, and. uh You'd bring a dog up there for a see whether a litter of puppies that we had for or a dog we bought over in England. And she'd say, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. And I'd say, okay. She had pictures and paintings of most of the dogs. So she'd take us inside and show us and say, well, that, that one right there. 
And boy, it was almost a picture image of the dog. I mean, she knew which dog she had and stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, I think they're way more involved back then with, with the actual dogs, you know, than they are now. They were, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, I don't think they. I don't think I watched television or any of that kind of stuff that right, stays. Yeah. They did their hunting and, you know, she owned, they owned Shelburne Farms up in Vermont. So they used to go on the hunts and do all of that when she was first married and stuff. I mean, that's, you know, that's like huge place up there. Yeah. That was their summer place. Yeah. It's amazing. I just, I love those stories. When I think back of those, like I didn't know a lot of them, but I knew like Mr. Aldridge and Betty Hislop and those bunch. And they were the same. They knew their dogs inside and out. They weren't just there to send the money over. So no, no. And they loved them too. Yep. They were very, very interested in their whole breeding programs and everything else that they did. Right. Yeah. They were a lot of fun. Fun to work with and great to talk to every week when you'd call them up. They wanted to know, they knew everybody. They wanted to know who was doing this, who was doing that. She never was angry about anything if you lost. You know, if you if you if you came home and you lost under somebody, she thought she was gonna win under, she'd be like, Well, that was very interesting, you know. Never said a bad word about anybody. I never heard her say anything bad about anybody. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because two sportsmen. Yep, and that's just seems like the era. Like I, I think of Mr. E like that. I, I Mr. E never would let me say a bad word about a dog, you know. Just, no, they weren't no. allowed to. So no, they weren't. They were great people. They sure yeah. were. You learn we miss them. It's a it's a generation that's kind of gone by, isn't it? Yep. Sure. Yeah. So you were you were on your own then and you were in that kennel for 25 years? Yeah, I was in that kennel for 25 years and uh in 1990, we bought the place we have right now because the real estate market had gone down. And I thought to myself, well, actually, I had another client, Barbara Irwin, and uh, she wanted me to stay in the area in New Jersey because I was helping her. She had colleagues and Papillons. Tommy Cohn showed for her and Richard okay. showed for her. Uh, but she wanted me to, to stay in the area. So she helped me buy this place that we have here. Well, that she, worked uh, yeah. And, and that was, you know, I said to her, I said, we're renting this place and I can't guarantee that I'm always going to be here. So at that point, we were looking for a house to buy anyway. We had saved up a little bit of money. And she said, well, I'll help you buy a kennel. I want you to be, you know, within about a half an hour. Wasn't so that we looked nice? Around. <laughs> yeah, we looked around and found a place and now we got this place. <laughs> Which I can tell you, there's a there's a history behind all these kennels in New Jersey. You know, this was owned by a lady named Evelyn Short. Who owned a dog named Dunelm Galaxy? Oh, which George. Yes. She owned George. Yeah. Wow. Before Ruthie <laughs> Cooper got on the dog. <laughs> he was my very, when I was a kid, he was my very favorite English talker. Was he? Wasn't he a beautiful oh headed dog, wasn't he? When he? Yeah, he was my very favorite. When he went in the, when the Spaniel Club at, from the veterans class under Mrs. Clark, I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so who would you consider your mentors then over the years, Jimmy? Um, well, of course, Michael um, and Cliff Hallmark, the people you work for, and, and Walter Morris. Like who... I want to know the inner the inner details of working for Michael. I should okay. Get, I, need, I should get Michael on this show, too. <laughs> yeah, you should get Michael on this show, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, well, he's, he could tell you some great stories with because oh, he worked for Richard, you know. Yeah, right. He was, um, it was always fun to have dinner with and hang out with. So yes, he was. Well, when I went to work for Michael, he was married to Khaki. Okay. Um, all right. And uh they were out there in Myerstown. And he had uh when I went there, he had just just one kennel. He was just showing poodles and stuff like that. Um yeah, and it was a nice old stone farmhouse in the middle of Pennsylvania. Uh, and we worked. Really all work. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. We worked. We worked for so long, hour wise. It's unbelievable the hours you put in when you're working in poodles and oh, going yeah. to those shows and and just the traveling back then because the shows were mostly just Saturdays and Sundays. Sometimes you had a poodle specialty on a Friday, but I mean, you know, you'd start in the kennel in the morning at seven thirty. Some days we wouldn't get out of there till ten, eleven o'clock at night. You know, and then you're doing that and you're going to the shows. You had a lot of maintenance. We had about 35, 40 poodles in coat. And even after the show's over, you're not done. You can't just. Oh, you're not done. No, you know, you got to. Yeah. Yep. Break them down, wash them out. Break them down, wash out that spray and stuff like that out of there. Right. 
Now they take the switches out and wash those, I see. <laughs> Put them aside and we'll wash yes, them. Yes, <laughs> it's much easier. They behave better. <laughs> well, I remember one that we were campaigning a dog. We were showing him down there. and We were, I forget what show it was, but it was we were washing him out. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We were washing him out to headlights. And uh, I'm, and it, it was a uh, Ray and Ginger Scott felt bad for us and brought us out some dinner. <laughs> oh, did I? <laughs> oh, yeah, because we were there all bloody night washing all these dogs. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> but we used to, in those days, you know, I mean, most people had a van. They didn't have these big box trucks and stuff like that. Yeah, I had maybe a half a dozen dogs you were going to the shows with, maybe eight. Yeah. That was a pretty good string back in those days. But you'd go in caravans because you didn't have cell phones. And if you broke down, you were out of luck. So we'd go, I mean, Roy Holloway was there and and uh, Bobby Fowler and Peter Green, and we'd all carpool, you know, to the shows. And uh, sometimes, we'd, sometimes we'd go into these vans and uh, put two or three handlers in there, plus all the help and stuff like that. Uh, help was always sharing rooms because they didn't pass along the expenses. We didn't stay in Hilton's or anything like that. I can tell you that. We stayed yeah. in uh, pretty much rundown hotels. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they were. They weren't the best, you know. I can remember we had uh, uh, Scott Kipp and Bobby Poust worked for Peter. I worked for Michael. David Sombach worked for Paul. Uh, You know, you know all these guys now, right? We were all kennel help back then. Well, when I was when I interviewed Paul, he he was telling those stories about the caravans. They were great. (laughs) Oh, they were. Oh, they were great times. I'll tell you, you go out to dinner and you talk about dogs. You know, you had all those great handlers sitting there at a dinner table and you're just there absorbing all the information when they talk about these dogs. Oh, I mean, they talk about and they weren't wasn't like they talk about them today. Today, they talk about them because they're afraid they're going to get beat by them. Right. Back then, they talked about them because they were they, they admired the dogs. You know, yeah. the dogs that they admired, right? It really has changed in that aspect. Because I, I even, I, I remember that I going to dinner with like, like Garrett and Gary and whatnot. And that was the same thing. You know, they talk about so-and-so's dog. I wish I had that dog and this dog. And they, oh, they, it was never anything malicious, you know. It was, no, if they didn't like something about the dog, they'd say, well, you know, I agree with you. That's a great dog. But I'd really change, you know, the ear set or whatever about the dog. You know, just one little thing, maybe, but they didn't trash the entire dog and say, how could you ever like that dog or anything like that? And I I think that really helped us learn when we were listening to them because we we weren't made to lean a certain way towards a dog. We were we would look at it in their eyes, through their eyes as being a good dog. It wasn't it wasn't their competition because you hear it now and. And I hear them go on, and they'll, they'll beat up some dog, and I'll say, guys, he, he can't be that bad. He's won 30 best in shows, you know? How bad can he be? He's got us some nice thing about him, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then, like you say, as a young kid, you'd, you'd go the next day, and you'd look at the dogs they were talking about. Yep. And you'd see, oh, well, okay, maybe the ear set could be better on this. If you didn't know, you could ask one of those guys, and they'd tell you. Oh, it's no I, I remember when I worked for Stebby, Stebby would, we, we, he, if we had a break in the schedule, I'd ask him a question. He'd say, well, come with me. And off we'd go. We'd go ask Dick Cooper. Or we'd ask. It was, it was amazing, you know. There, there were amazing, knowledgeable dog people back then, right? And they knew their breeds. Of course, yeah. we didn't have, you know, what did they have? Maybe 130 breeds back then? Yeah, exactly. A lot less, a lot fewer breeds than no good. <laughs> Wayne and I were talking about how many breeds there are now. We figured it out. And if you... Did it two minute per dog. You have eight hours worth of group judging now. It's terrible. It's it's crazy. That's why these big shows take so long to accomplish. You know, when they have full groups with all the dogs that are in them, it's very hard. Yeah, very hard. So you you think we'll go to two day dog shows possibly? I don't know. I used to. That's what it was like when I was a kid. It was great and we used to have the circus and we had the sportsman show which was five shows in seven days excuse me but um we hardly had three-day shows when i was a kid it was two-day shows just two-day shows right yeah yeah and I, and, and you look forward to them and you never like i i find now like at a four-day dog show I'll, I'll, the monday i'll come around like and, and this is one day too long, you know? <laughs> yeah. or two days too long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let me ask you, you know, you think back to some of the big shows, you can remember who won them because yeah. there weren't so many shows no. today by the, by Sunday. You can't remember who won the show on Wednesday or Thursday. <laughs> and you're too tired. Only the person that won it can remember, right? <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, it's very true. 
Yeah. And I just remember being at, at the end of the day, being so tired that you never really got in trouble because you were so tired. You went to bed, you know? Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, on those weekends, right. So you worked there for Michael. What was it like working um, for Cliffy, being on the road with Cliff? Well, it was uh, entertaining. It was a great dog, man. I saw him do some stuff that I wouldn't, uh, you know. <laughs> I get, well, you know, he did some he did some stuff that was really pretty interesting. I remember he lost one day, and I don't remember what breed it was, maybe Westies or something like that. And he's sitting there, and he was, you know, he would get quite angry. And there was a lady there, route ready to go in with her Scotty. So he said to her, he says, I'm going to show this Scotty for you. And he'd take the Scotty in the ring and he put it on the table and he, he yelled at the judge the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wow. And, you know, the judge was intimidated by him. And it was like, you know, he told him all the things that he did wrong in the Westy ring or whatever breed it happened to be. And that was that, right? <laughs> Walked out of the ring and done and over. You know, and the and lady got a, fr- a free handling fee showing her. Lady like, got oh. a free hand. She didn't win though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess not. <laughs> well, I'm not know. so sure she was happy about that. But <laughs> <laughs> so, did you caravan when you were with Cliff too, or was we didn't caravan as much when we were with Cliff? Yeah, you know, it wasn't too many people in the area here in New Jersey. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't have that. We didn't have that nucleus group like they had in Pennsylvania with Paul. And, you know, they all lived probably within a half an hour of each other. Yeah, that's amazing. Because that really is. Think of it now. Like during the week, I'd go over to Peter's and go over, you know, Scott, Bobby. You know, we'd go out, out on the town, you know, and do all of that. Just fun. So so for your mentors, you said you had Michael and, and Cliff. Who else? Um, well, that's pretty much about it. You know, you know, just the terriers and, and, and the poodles is they're, they're my favorite breeds. Are they I mean, I have English yeah, cockers. I didn't, I didn't know poodles were one of your favorite breeds. Yeah. Well, I started with the pointer, like I said, with Bob Forsyth. Um, and I got that because I thought I might go hunting if this dog business didn't work out too well. I could always <laughs> take the dog hunting. <laughs> my father was a big hunter. <laughs> so, but, uh, we never did get the dog out hunting that much. I went to too many dog shows. Yeah. What about dogs that you've uh, seen over the years? I try not to touch on dogs that are being shown now, but um, what about dogs that you've seen that have left a real impression on you that you've never forgotten? Um. Well, I, that Workmore Wagner, that Border Terrier that Cliff showed for Kate, mm-hmm. um, he was a really, really nice dog, beautiful-headed dog. Um, beautiful fronted dog. Uh, I didn't see him until he was older. You know, he was like six or seven, I think, when I got to the kennel at Cliffy's. Um, he was, a, you know, a really good border terrier. Was one of the breeds that I'm really interested in. But uh, one of the dogs, uh, I don't remember the name of the dog, but that it was a husky that Trish Kanzler showed and won oh, Westminster. Yeah. Um, Innisfree something? Sinar. Innisfree Sinar. 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 That's it. Yes, Sinar, right. I thought that was an absolutely gorgeous animal. Yeah, the way it moved and stuff like that. Yeah. His ear. Um, I always remember his ear. That little tip was gone on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the tip of his ear was gone. It didn't stop him, and he did oh, it. I know. And that was nope. Mr. E that gave him best in the show. That was quite the win. Yes. Drivers, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that was that was a really good dog. Uh, trying to think. the um, That Galsall Excellence dog was a beautiful wire fox terror dog. It's a shame that the uh, that it ended up where a lot of people couldn't use him yeah, for that, that whole thing. Yeah, you know, that was hard on the breed, really. That sure, sure was an exciting yeah. era, though, wasn't that time when there was there was the George dog out and Patty was out, and it, it was, was great to watch those. Yeah, yep. yeah. Just, I remember being on the Florida circuit, and that was where you had to be. You know, wash my yes, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. There was some Irish terriers. There was a, a Woody showed one. And Bob Clyde showed one. They were like the bee litter. And uh, there was these three great Irish terriers who were all out of the same litter. And just to watch them in the ring. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just really excited. alone going after each other. That'd be fun. So. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you missed that. Like I when I, I was when I was a kid, I remember being on the 
the cherry blossom circuit. And I was young. I was really young because George was showing marquee and Janie had Yankee riflemen. And it was just fun to watch the two of them battle it out, you know? <laughs> just, just, yeah, right. Just to battle it out, right. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't even yeah. remember who won most of them. I, I think Janie did, but it was just fun to watch the two of them go at it, you know? Yeah, it was. Yeah. We, we, I, I missed that. <laughs> yes, I miss it too. You had the uh, English cockers. Remember that? Sailors beware? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. You know, yeah. Like Joy, though George is my favorite. (laughs) Well, George, you see, George, George wasn't around. That was before my time. He must be a lot older than I am. Will (laughs) I was a little kid. (laughs) You're a little kid. (laughs) But it was it was so much fun. I and he was like, I I remember seeing a picture of him in the English Cocker newsletter, and uh, it was just a headshot. And I think I cut it out and hung it on my wall. You know. Well, they have some great pictures, headshots of that dog, you know. Yeah, of George, was right. so pretty. Oh, my God. I just, I just, I yeah. just, and every, and every, after that, it was a dog up here. A Dunham dog came up here, and I was a big fan of that dog, too. It was probably just because of George. He was a nice dog, but he right. wasn't George. It <laughs> wasn't George, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fun. <laughs> I love going through that stuff. So what about advice? If someone, if someone came to you and said they wanted to be a handler, what advice would you give them? I got to tell you, you know, uh, the guys that I, the guy I worked for originally, Walter Morris, I mean, he showed for one person, Mrs. Frelinghuysen, basically. He only had to please her, you know, and I, when I was showing dogs, we did most of the breeding for a lot of the clients. The dogs would come in the kennel, we'd condition them, we, you know, we did a lot of the work uh, for those people. And I find it really difficult today to meet these people ringside. Mm-hmm. And look at the dogs, some of the condition that they're in, the way they're groomed and everything like that. I just got to keep my mouth shut and show them. So I think the business has really changed quite a bit uh, from, you know, the care and the conditioning and all of the stuff that I learned as a little kid growing up in the kennel ranks. And and as an apprentice conditioning, you know, at Michael's, we'd be brushing poodles out till 10 o'clock at night, you know, we'd put them in oil because we had so many of them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know. uh, and uh, I don't know. You just don't seem to. The kids they don't work in the kennels anymore. Now, when you were working for Cliff, how did he teach you to start pulling hair? Did he did he just hair? He had sixty dogs in the kennel, and you had to keep. You know, you'd pull them. He'd have dogs that were just there, and he'd put a Westie on the tables. Here, trim this one. You know, and see if you can get it in shape. So you know, you'd work on it and work on it, and he'd look at it. it wasn't being shown or anything like that, but you yeah. just tried to get it into shape. And I remember I had it. Thought I had it looking really, really good. He came over and he looked at it and he says, you know, the way you got this dog trimmed, I thought it was out at the elbows, but it's just the way you have it trimmed. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> so, but was he a good teacher then? Uh, yeah, he would, you know, and you watched and you learned and he'd tell you how to pull hair, or, you know, yeah, do yeah. that. Like you'd have to have an eye yourself because you have to know, like you can always, there's no real recipe. So you have to, I, I find you have to have an eye yourself. You can, you can take a technique from somebody, but it still has to be right. your eye. Yeah. Um, like when I, when and I, at Michael's, at Michael's, we learned how to scissor and stuff like that. There was a Swedish guy there. His name was Tommy Ostman. Mm-hmm. I've heard of Tommy. Yeah. Okay. And Tommy was, uh, Tommy worked there for about a year, maybe a year and a half while I was there. Uh, and you know, he was a great dog man in, in his own way. And he came over to learn cause Michael was a great groomer and he came over and he, you know, I'd trim on the dogs and he'd trim on the dogs. And we'd talk about dogs, different dogs and everything like that. Um, uh, you know, while we're trimming out in the kennel, we used to go to, uh, cause we didn't have air conditioning in the kennel. So in the, in the summertime, we would work in the morning till about lunchtime. And then there was a, a, a quarry down the road. It was full of water and it was, you know, people go swimming down there. So we'd go down the quarry and we'd swim in the afternoon, come back about three or four o'clock when it cooled off and we'd work until midnight. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'd put our time in that way. Right. But it was too, yeah. it was too hot to do those poodles in the summer like that in the afternoon. Sure. Yeah. So how many poodles would Michael have in the kennel then? You- we probably had about 45 to 60 poodles. Holy jumpings. Yeah. <laughs> That's frightening. And he, Michael believed in keeping them all in coat. You know, he had minis there and, and toys and standards. And yeah, we had a lot of poodles in that place. Wow. Especially when PCA came around. 
Yeah. You know, we probably took 25 to 30 dogs to PCA. I wonder why Michael never went ahead and started judging. Well, he's doing poodles and English cockers. Is he? Okay. Okay. I, yeah. don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen him. No, he's judging. He, you know, he's breeding thoroughbred horses now, too. So oh, you should yeah. interview Michael. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I will. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Make a note and give him a call. <laughs> yeah. He said he started judging too late. He keeps telling me I should apply to judge because he said, you know, in, in today's world, you have to be marketable. You have to have a couple of groups. You know, yeah. it's it's very hard to get assignments if you do, a, you know, one group even. Don't you think? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just started and I did the, the first half of sporting dogs. I won't get I won't get the group until well, probably the end of the year. Um but even then, you're still not really marketable. You'll still be going yourself pretty well here on your own dime until you get more groups under your belt. Right. Yeah. You know, if they're going to bring you in for two or three days, I mean, if, I, if you guys say I get the terrier group, you get 80 dogs in the terrier group. Who's going to fly you to Chicago or wherever to do 80 dogs, right? It's probably not profitable enough in this day and age. So are you going to you give aspirations to judge at all? I probably will apply soon, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on. Let's go off that angle then. What what a um, what do you think a judge like? If you were a, a judge, what advice would you give me? If I was a judge, yeah. But you've been you've you've been a judge pretty well. Yeah, I know you're not an official judge, but we've all growing up in this sport, we all have that in us. We all judge dogs. So you mean give you advice as to as yeah. if I was going to judge? Yeah, exactly. Well, I would say uh, judge the breeds that you know well. Right. I mean, you've we've all watched judges that uh, and I always get this as because I'm uh, president of a kennel club out here. And I always get this uh, statements from mostly new people that this judge is no good, you know, or that judge isn't very good. And, you know, they really don't know. Right. I mean, I can say I can say, well, you know, this judge isn't very good on the maybe the low legged terriers or on some hounds. They're not so good and not even all the hounds. Maybe they're not so good on a, you know, sight hounds, but they're good on a scent hounds. You know, I mean, each judge, I think, has stronger points oh, for than sure. others. And, and no judge can be good at all the breeds, no matter, even if they are all rounders. There, It's, it's uh, Bobby always told me, it's, it's impossible to know all the breeds at, at that level. Like a good at dog. At that level, at the level we're talking about, right. right. Yes. Uh, a good dog person is going to know a good dog no matter what, but he might not know the intricacies of certain breeds or the. Yeah, the he's going to know the structure breed. of this. Right. And he's going to know, he's going to know that, you know, the, the, the Scotties are lower legged and have a bigger chest and this and that. Not going to put up a narrow bodied Scotty, hopefully, right? Right. And since we've been around, we have this this bank in the back of our head that we've seen these dogs that we've stored back there. So that when dogs walk in our ring, we have that that Scotty that's already in our head. And Rayburn's close encounter would be mine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about George the other day because George grew up around here where I live. He grew up. OK. In, yep. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was, it was yeah. What Colin Brown, a good friend of mine, his neighbor was was uh george's he always tells a story cousin maybe but he had pictures of george everywhere so oh did he really yeah yeah they must have been close right yeah, oh for sure and because colin tells a story about going to a sanction match and, and this this guy this next door neighbor saying oh you went to you went to a dog show you did you and colin's yeah yeah well he brought out this photo album and it was just full of george <laughs> <laughs> and Colin didn't that was a pretty <laughs> impressive photo album. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> For the longest time, though, when I lived up up in, in uh, Milton, George told me stories about riding his bike by the house that I owned. So, oh, but really? I, I didn't back then, but it's an old lock house. He says, oh, I know the lock house. You used to ride that, my bike by that to go fishing. So, yeah. Isn't it funny how these, these old handlers, they had stories about all these different houses and rest stops or, you know, exits on a on a highway. Oh, gotcha. Restaurants. Yeah, restaurants, diners, right. Yes, right. All all the places that they stopped, right. Yep. (laughs) I remember going up to uh, Bill Trainer's wake, and uh, we had uh, John Ashby and Paul and uh, myself and Michael and Roy Holloway. I think the five of us, maybe there are only four of us. But anyways, we going up there. Roy Holloway, he talked the whole way up and the whole way back. He had a story at every exit. 
and everybody else, I drove up and drove back, and everybody else is sleeping in the back of the car. We didn't get back till about two in the morning or so. And Roy, he talked talk the whole way until we got <laughs> home to the driveway. I bet you it was great stories, though. Oh, they were great stories. Yeah, I can't remember one of them, but they were all great stories. <laughs> I bet you you could. I bet you if someone would, would click your memory and, oh, yeah, you'd bring it back up again. Yeah, when I go by that exit, right? It'd be your turn to tell it. <laughs> Because we all have those stories. <laughs> yes, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what's what's next for for Jimmy? As you have aspirations for judging, you're still showing. Are you showing as many dogs, or are you slowing down? No, I'm not showing as many dogs now. Uh, I, my back is bothering me. I'm probably going to have to have back surgery. Oh, dear. come after Montgomery. Going to try and make it till I'm 65, so that the insurance, you know, isn't so hard. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not showing as many dogs because, quite frankly, I have a hard time walking around. Oh, really? And doing that, you know? It's a hard job. It's a hard job. You know, I'm still using those wooden crates, and everybody tells me I'm crazy for lugging those wooden crates around. I no wonder my back is crate. bad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> I wish I missed the Foley Boys. No, oh. we used to have. <laughs> we didn't have Foley Boys up here. <laughs> no, you didn't have any Foley Boys. Well, no. Kate Seaman loved those Foley Boys. She was like, um, uh, she would bring whenever she was going to a dog show. She didn't go to that many at the end, so she would always go to Westbury, Westchester, um, Oxridge. She always had a party after Oxridge. But anyways, she would bring two coolers. She'd bring a cooler of beer for me and fresh tuna. Uh, sandwiches and lobster sandwiches that she would make. And she would bring about six coffee cakes. Now, she would bring the Foley boys the same thing, but they got a bottle of scotch and a bottle of bourbon and and all of that. So she uh, always had a parking space when she pulled into the dog show from the Foley boys. (laughs) They would ask me first thing when I got there in the morning, is Kate coming today? And I'd say, oh, yeah. (laughs) We got our spot for her. Okay, so uh, what about, um, I have a question for you too. We all have these little superstitions. Do you have any superstitions when you're showing dogs? No, I don't have any superstitions. None? Leads? No. No. I'm not a very superstitious person. Touch wood, right? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I got a negative on that one, Will. (laughs) Oh, well, that's the way it goes. It's amazing how many, like I I can't remember which one it was I was talking to. He had the same answer, no, no superstitions. And then I started pushing and prodding, and he'd say, well, I never did that because when you do this, this happens. And that's a superstition. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't have any. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of the, the current judging process well i think it's good actually you know i mean i think that you know you have to have an education and anything is good you Mm -hmm. know even when they we have this handlers program and they have an educational thing every year some programs are a little better than others but um you know i just think you know you just have to keep learning if you think you know it all you're never going to Never going to get ahead. Oh, sure, but I, I, I think that like I was talking to Richard Sedlak, and he's he's um he feels he's already put in fifty years of learning, you know. So well, he's yes. fast about it. So it's but you could learn something, right? Yeah, for sure. I get I that, mean, and I agree with those older judges. I mean, they've been judging and everything else. Uh, there's probably uh, they probably ought to give them a little more um, credit for their experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they're crediting the experience as much as they should. Um, I just worry about the process scaring away some people that could have been amazing judges. You know, they, they don't they they get to the point where they think, oh no, I'm, I'm getting too old, and because it's, it's going to cost so much to do this, and and we lose some really good people that just don't. Well, want Michael's them. a good example right there. Yeah. Got poodles and English cockers. You know, he's been doing nothing his whole life except dogs. Yeah. Nothing ever. Every day. Every day. You know what it is like if you do this for a living. Every single day, you're dealing with dogs. Even on your, I mean, I don't take any days off, but you know, seven days a week, 24-7, we're out there. You know, we're doing dogs. 
Yeah, like someone you know, like Michael, I hate to say it, you know, you should almost say, oh, here, Michael, here's your all-breed license. I'm going to keep you with, and give you that until you screw up, you know? <laughs> yeah, if he screws yeah. up, fine, you know, limit him. So, right, yeah. Uh, but I uh, but I bet you he could judge every group. I bet you he'd do a he fine. He probably job. could. Yeah. Maybe not some of the new breeds that he's not familiar with. Well, but, I'm not real know. with them either, so. Oh, right. <laughs> but you could give it a good go, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And who's going to say you're wrong when you judge them, right? Because no one's seen right. them. So. But I think that's why we keep seeing the same judges over and over and over again. Because, and and they're too old. I mean, they're not that they're too old, but they're no. very old. There's no new generation of judges that are coming through. They're with this education process they've got. It it's good, but it's slowing the process down. Where they're going to run out of judges pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's you. inevitable, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's like we said, you know, you seem to see the same judges over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many times can you show your specials dog to the same judge and get beat by the same dog, you know, if they're in the same area? Well, that's a good point because I was talking, we were talking about this before, Wayne and I, and he was on a panel and he said he was one of the youngest guys in the panel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it is. And that's that's scary in a way, right? Yeah. Right. You you know, but I think somebody who's really old would probably say, you know, experience is better than <laughs> youth. <laughs> yeah, youth thinks, yeah. But Harold Ball used to say, old age and treachery could overcome youth and skill. <laughs> yeah, I think I see some of these older judges. They're very tired by the end of the third or fourth day if they've got so many groups and breeds and stuff like that. And I actually start to feel bad for them, you know. It's got to be taxing on their mind, taxing on their physical capabilities and stuff like that. Yeah, well, it's um, definitely tiring. It's you know, like we, we, we run around, we stop, we sit in our set up and do some, have lunch. They're on their feet a long time. They're, yes, they're on their feet all day long. Yeah. I did a I did a, a Border Terrier sweepstakes. There were like 150 dogs in the sweepstakes, which is a lot, more than I'd ever thought I would judge, right? But, you know, it took me all day long, and uh, it, it was very hard. You're standing on your feet. You're, you're looking at a dog, and I guess – when we look outside the ring and we look at a judge judging the dog, we look at the 10 dogs in the ring and we pick the two that we like and we're looking at them back and forth. And the whole time we're looking at them back and forth, this poor judge has got to judge the other eight dogs. Right. And you're spending 16 or 20 minutes or whatever it is judging the other eight dogs that, you know, they probably don't like them either. And we're studying. So when you look at him and you think, well, why did he do that? I mean, you know, obviously this is we've been looking at the dogs a lot longer than the judge has you right. two or three minutes to look at a dog. And, you know, you got to it's a skill you got to practice. I think oh, I give them a lot of credit. You know, when I did that, it, it was like, yeah, you know, when you've got all those dogs in the ring and you've got, you know, the two you really like. You, you wish you could spend more time looking at them and. You don't yeah. have the time to do that, right? I, te- I try to teach that in my class too. And it's all about timing, timing, because this judge has two minutes to look at your dog, really. So, yeah, it's, it's and the novice exhibitor is is worrying about the hind quarters when the judge is coming down and looking at their heads and expression. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the hind quarters look like because he's not looking at the hind quarters, right? That's right. <laughs> you can get it perfect. By the time you get it perfect, he's gone by your dog's head and he's been twisting his head looking that way. <laughs> <laughs> all right jimmy i got one more question for you then all right if you if you could meet up the with a 20 year old jimmy dixon is there any advice you'd give him now oh let's see if i could meet up with a 20 year old um no i i i i happy with the choices that i made in my life you know i mean i've never had a i've never had a top top dog because i spent a lot of time uh close to home took a lot of weekends off uh, you know, and uh, pretty much knew that there was a market for people that had nice dogs, but could never compete on that. You know, Kate could, but you know, she was never a pushy owner. Uh, Mrs. Irwin was never a pushy owner. Uh, you know, so I could go and do it at my own schedule and my own pace. I would say that's probably more important to to do it that way than it is to. I see a lot of these people that just really don't have any life at all. They're at dog show after dog show, complaining to me all the time. Um, you know, now I've got to go to this one. Yeah, you don't have your life anymore sometimes. There's a dog show almost every day if you want to go. So-and-so, I'm showing this dog, and they want me to go to, you know, Iowa to a national specialty on Tuesday and Wednesday and Mm -hmm. Thursday. 
And then I got to fly back here and show my rest of the string of the dogs here. Uh, you know, I, 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 I didn't allow that to happen. That's one of the things I remember when I was talking to Mark Threffle when he was showing Robert, he's, he always insisted he never got on a plane. You know, he was just, he, Robert went to the dog shows he went to, and that was that, you know. That was it, right, yes. Yep. And they went to a lot of dog shows. Yeah, they did, but. You Fewer know. than they go to today, though. Oh, <laughs> and like I said, they can go to a dog show almost every day. You could, every, you could almost go every day. It's crazy. That's why they don't have kennels at home, Will. Right? I mean, yep. I told you how in the beginning I walk, or worked in kennels. These people take everything that they have on the road with them. There's uh, no buddy home taking care and conditioning dogs at home. It's, yeah, so, it's, it's a hard know, life, Jim. Oh. It's, I think it's a lot harder today than it used to be. And I will say one, one of the advantages is that they pass the expenses along, you yeah. know? So, you know, it's it's not as hard, you know, like we used to share rooms and, uh, you know, we ate a little bit cheaper than they do today. And, uh, you know, because we were covering the expenses, not we, Michael and Cliffy passed expenses along, mm -hmm. but Michael did, you know? So, you know, he was trying to, you know, pinch pennies on gas and this and that. That's why we shared rides and did the caravans with Paul and all that. <laughs> some great memories though for sure oh they, they were great memories yeah <laughs> well thanks jim i really appreciate it and all uh, right well no way picked uh, an odd time for you but i ain't glad i thank you no for this time works out better for me you okay. know with the kennel and the dogs and everything like that okay it's better for me i just you know alice my wife she's a, a big garden club member and stuff like that so she was had the computer last night i couldn't do it last night she's uh yeah she judges do you do flowers no, no, no. You see, she does well. I go down to David's and, you know, he's big with flowers and plants and stuff like that. And so he comes up, he was up here uh, for the setter specialty. He stayed at the house. Oh, did he? Okay. On the way up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they talk about gardening and all that. I just have to go in the other room or I listen, uh, you know. <laughs> Fellow Canadian David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Well, well, thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. And uh, all right, Will. Look forward to seeing you somewhere down the road. We'll probably, uh, sure, I'll see you at Westminster, yeah. right? Yeah, at, at Westminster, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All, all right. right. Okay, Will. Thanks, Jim. It was great catching up to you. That was a great interview. I really look forward to uh, seeing you sooner at a dog show. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to find out what's happening in Will's world, go to willalexander.net. If you want to get a hold of me, go to dogshowtips at gmail.com. And don't forget about the podcast every Thursday with Wayne Cavanaugh and myself, The Dog Show Drive. Until next time. <laughs>